the Tim Anderson Podcast. I'm Tim. That is my buddy Zach on the other side of the line this evening. Little special pod pre the week of the Super Bowl. Hello, Zach. How's it going, Tim? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. You know, I wish we would have had some Lanny Poffo genius music, but he was one of those guys that wasn't special enough to get his own music uh, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. So we don't have anything to commemorate the uh, the great genius yeah, I feel like he uh, kind of bummed off of Mr. Perfect's music a couple times when uh, he was managing him. But other than that, no real music. Yeah, it, it, I feel like he needed something. He needed something with a little gravitas. So that's unfortunate, by the way. But that's all right. We'll take it. We'll take Brutus. And uh, we, we got in for another edition of the pod. We'll talk maybe a little Super Bowl at the end. I know we previewed that a little bit more heavily last week. And we'll certainly have all the fallout next week when Ryan rejoins Zach and I. But uh, Zach and I thought we needed to get together and do a little uh, do a little potpourri. Do a little uh, random musings. Hit on some of the big news stories uh, circulating about in the world of sports. And, uh, and so that's what we're doing. That's what we're hanging out here doing tonight. And uh, hopefully uh, we will... Uh, cover some major ground here in the next hour. So that's all I got to say about that. Uh, Zach, real quickly, before we get started, because I think this will tie in perfectly to our first point. Um, you've been coaching a long time. You've been a long time, either head coach, assistant coach, etc. A coaching question, I guess, that I have, and I've been kind of pondering it with other coaches this week. Given the nature of the last handful of years, do you feel like you've had to adjust the way you coach, the way you manage, the way you build relationships? I mean, are are you kind of the same coach that you've always been? I think as a coach, you're always evolving. Um, yes. So I think that, yeah, things have changed, especially after, um, you know, if when we, we, t- we go back to the COVID era um, and seasons were lost, um, or shortened or changed or what, you know, there's a lot of different things that happened uh, depending on what season you were in and where you were located, but things definitely changed after that. Um, I felt like a lot of momentum that, that a program had had built went away. Um, it, it did hurt us a lot with our younger kids because some kids then went, you know, like if you, you didn't play softball for a year, they went, you know, a year and a half, almost two years without stepping on a field. And then they just never came back. So, yeah, I think it's definitely changed. Where do you think your biggest evolution is as a coach? Like, do you think it's in the, your player relationships? Did you have to change your practices around? Like, where do you feel like you have, you have evolved the most? Well, I think for us, we had to change um, some of our expectations and then what we did in practice at our different levels, you know, program wide, because kids were not coming in at the same level that we were used to. Hmm. Um, and so we had to change some of those expectations and then, um, you know, reteach or teach for the first time in some cases on some stuff. And that's where, like I said, it, um, with our program and where we were at, it was almost like starting over, which was really tough to swallow because we had built a lot of momentum going into that year. And we, I mean, I really do think that that was going to be our best year. And then we lost it. I hear you. Uh, I just feel like I am just kind of looking at myself as a coach, the last handful of days. And like I said, just kicking it around, talking to coaches and other programs and wondering like, you know, do we need to become, you know, more, sensitive to the kids issues of what they lost. I mean, can you coach as hard as you used to? Do you have to change the way you practice? Maybe practices have to be shorter. Maybe you have to practice less. Maybe you have to, you know, start earlier or start later, or I don't know what the right answer is on those things, but you start kicking all that stuff around when you start to kind of rethink your, you know, who you are as a coach and kind of what your mantra is. And so that's why I'm kind of gathering as many opinions as I can. Yeah, it's definitely interesting times in the coaching world, um, you know, all over the place, right? Every every coaching job has challenges. Um, that some are just different than others. Right. So I thought that would be interesting because maybe the least coachable human being in the history of the world just got traded the other day. 
you and I, I think, are both. I'm mean, you, not an NBA guy, are you? Like, are you a big? N- You're not an NBA guy. Uh, I honestly, when we started talking about this subject, I tried to think back of what NBA I've watched this year, and it's not um, much. I have not I watched, much watched any. I don't think I've watched any. A game, maybe, maybe a in, game and a half. In not honor much. of that, I do. I do have the Timberwolves pregame pulled up here. They're supposed to tip off soon. I think, um, but I, I don't think I've watched any NBA this year. And I think, you know, we can, let's, I mean, we can talk about this trade a little bit. And I think it's also though a microcosm of the bigger problem that the NBA has. Um, so Kyrie basically gets told like, Hey, we're not offering you a max deal here. Um, so he says, fine, trade me. Right. After playing by what I've been reading is again, I haven't been watching as much ball. He just got done playing like maybe the best 20 game stretch of his time in Brooklyn and gave them a chance. They're fourth in the playoff race in the Eastern conference, which, which may not say much for him, you know, playing his best 20 game stretch because he found a lot of ways not to be on the field. Yeah. Nobody hates place. playing basketball as much as Kyrie Irving does. Yeah. And, and you know, wherever you fall on him, not getting the shot, you know, so he wasn't able to play. And then, I mean, there were just so many different things that have played into this that he's really spent a lot of time not on the court. Um, But I think, you know, when I looked, I looked at the trade and I mean, we know how talented he is, but the reality is, is whenever these superstar trades are made, it seems like you're trading away a superstar and you get back a sack of magic beans. <laughs> and, and I understand in this case, like, well, he is at the end of a contract and he's not guaranteed to resign. And he does have the baggage that goes with that. Um, but I mean, the, like, Brooklyn really didn't get much for him. Yeah, the NBA media tries to tell me that they got like 85 cents on the dollar here or something like that. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I mean, Dinwiddie's a nice player and they got a pick and that's, you know, hey, that's great. But like there's not a star in the bunch and no. nothing that they just acquired will make them any better than what they were prior to that. And the first, the first round pick isn't until like 2029. Well, that's just it. These picks now are so silly because everybody has basically said the picks and the NBA, it might even be true. The picks don't matter. It's not like the yeah. NFL. They like, definitely just the keep trading picks, them out. Right. There are two second round picks included in it and they for sure don't matter for sure. And you know, and, and I get why they have the rule that you can't, trade away your, your first round pick in back to back years. And so I don't know if that's why this pick isn't happening until 2029, but it, it really is. Um, I, I mean, I would never want to be the team that's trading away a superstar in the NBA. Cause you just don't get value out of it because even the picks that come back tend to be while well, you're getting picked 28, you know, you're getting picked, I don't know, just these late picks, and they're not worth it. And that's just it. All the teams are doing their best to lottery protect all those picks. So, like, oh, if we got a pick in the top 13, we get to keep it. And it's like, well, then there's no value in that pick because literally yeah. you get out of the lottery and it's a crapshoot. So I think I think that this is part of the problem with the NBA is that so many guys are switching teams so much right now. Yes. Um, and... I think I like I as I was thinking about this topic last night, like if you go back and you think of the best players in other sports, they're not playing and moving teams four or five times. No. Right? Because LeBron has been Cleveland, Miami, Cleveland, and LA now, right? Yep. Four so four teams. Um and if you think of the best, I mean you know what I mean? If we say best football player, you're going to take Tom, right? So he's really has one long term team and then a cup of coffee at the end. And that's kind of what happens in the NFL to superstar players. They'll right. spend a long time one place and finish somewhere else. And even in even in baseball, if you look at some of these guys who have been superstars and they'll play somewhere and then they hit free agency but especially now they're signing you know 10 12 year deals in free agency um but even if you go back to where that wasn't necessarily a thing i mean bonds spent his career in two places you know mcguire was in two places um you know those were the main guys of our time 
Um, so I think, you know, it, it, it is a problem that teams are not, or players are not staying in one spot for a long time. And then there are exceptions, right? I mean, there's your Tim Duncan, right? Your Dirk Nowitzki, but there's just so many guys that are moving now on a whim. Um, I think that it's a, the, the NBA regular season doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. We've talked about that before. And, um, and in fact, it came up, it came up the other day at work, uh, on what today's Tuesday, right? So Monday it came up, uh, a gal came into work and said, you know, took my son to the Timberwolves game last night and he was all excited to see the Joker play. And guess what? Four starters sat for the Nuggets. Yeah, that's the biggest problem that they're dealing with is like they cannot. That is a, that is a joke. Like the load management stuff is an absolute joke. And I don't care what the science people say. They say, well, that's good for their bodies. Okay, well, then cancel the season. Or well, play 50 games. They, then play they, 50 then they games need now. to – the teams can't have it both ways, I think. If you don't want guys playing back-to-backs um, – and I and I get that part, right? They, they played a game in Denver and then flew to Minnesota to play the next day. Well, if you don't want to do that, then, like, the NBA needs to cut 10 games out of the schedule. Yeah. Just play 72. Their um, best seasons have been the 50-game sprints for after lockouts. I actually root for lockouts because it usually means we get a 50-game season. Those yeah. are usually better seasons. So, so the the regular season not mattering, um, and I and I think this is a good right warning to baseball and football, who have both expanded their playoffs in the past couple of years, that you can't become the NBA because that's it's a it's not it's not I mean it's it's meaningless, and I like basketball. Me too. Like I like the game of basketball, but I have not watched a minute of it yet this year. And the problem, and the, and the, the, the there's two. It's it's really twofold. And here comes the old guy in me talking. Like, uh, the the col the, the the college game is so bad right now that there are no stars at the college level. Like I can't name you five guys at the college level who I think are going to be anywhere decent NBA players, which is not how it was when you and I grew up. No. When you and I were were younger and guys were staying in college three years, and college football is good with this. College football, we know the stars because they got to stay two or three years. So, like, we get a we get a feel for a Caleb Williams or a Bryce Young, and we can get excited about some of those guys. And in college basketball, we used to be able to get excited about uh, a Grant Hill or a Tim Duncan. Chris Paul played two years or whatever. Now we just are like, I don't know who any of these guys are. I don't know if any of them are going to be good NBA players. Like, I'm I'm just not, I'm I'm not interested, and the and the quality of the game isn't as good either, and it's just not the same game that you and I grew up watching, where it was throw it to the post, get a big man, try to get the ball inside, and then work it back out for the shots. Now it's just kids chucking threes, like that's I, all it is. I do think that the one advantage that college has over the NBA is that you get clashing styles. Um, yeah. But that is not even as much. I mean, high school really you see that, yeah, right. And some of the high school games, and we know that the high some of the high school games that we've seen too are not full of highly talented guys. Um, but at least styles make for fights. So, but yeah, I and just, that used to be kind of the thing. Yeah, you'd have some teams who could maybe shoot the outside shot and be a good perimeter team versus the big powerful inside team, or Showtime Lakers versus like you know. The Bird Celtics, you know, there was very different teams, different styles. Like, that made for something. And now I just think everybody plays the same way. They try to do the same things. They try to hit from the same corners. Specifically with Kyrie, I just look at – he is the problem, too, with the NBA in the sense that, God, there's a lot of unlikable dudes in the league. There's just a lot of unlikable divas in the league. The load management stuff's a problem. The three-point shooting's the problem. There's not a lot of great uh, – there's a lot of – I mean, there's some talented players, no question about it, but I don't know there's if there's a, a lot there's of great teams. Not a lot of parody. And not a lot of, like, other – you get outside of LeBron and Steph Curry. Like, are there really – I mean, Luka's, Luka's great. Jokic is, awesome, is fun, Giannis. But, like, how many, like, really marketable players are there? 
Like, how many guys are you like, man, I got to go see that guy? Like, a lot of people want to sell me on Anthony Edwards around here, and maybe that's true, but... Yeah, but you don't even know if he's going to play. not there yet. Yeah. I just, I think the NBA, the NBA doesn't, like, we can say whatever we want, but the NBA doesn't want parity. No, they don't. 100% right? they don't. And, and they have had, to their credit four different winners in the past four years or actually well five in the last five i guess but it's still a lot of golden state and you know the lakers and that and that's right and if you go back before that right it's a ton of golden state it's a ton of miami it's a ton of lakers it's a ton of boston right then you get to the spurs and yeah like yes there's different teams that maybe pop here and there, but it's not, I mean, the NBA does not want Minnesota does not want, you know, Memphis in the finals, right? They're not interested in that. And I think that if I, I still go back to, I think my, the first thing I would do if I was asked to fix the NBA is I would keep the salary cap, but I would take away the max salary. I would too. I think the max the max contracts, I get what they tried to do in theory with those, but I think what it's created is just a a hodgepodge where a lot of guys say, "Well, I'm a max guy." And you almost have if you're a marginal team like the Wolves, like we had to give Carl Anthony Towns a super max and I'd have been like, "Um, I I wish I had the option here." Like I hate well, the fact that the, I'm married to this guy is, for 6 years. I think for me is that there's no there's no reason for a free agent, a marquee guy to ever go to Memphis, to go to New Orleans, to go to Charlotte, right? Because they can all pay the same amount of money. Yeah. And they all can get three max guys on their roster. So I think if you, if you opened it up and said, Hey man, like, you know, I don't know what the max is. The max do like 30 million right now. It's probably like that. more than that. Yeah. Hell it's a lot. But well, whatever, let's just say it's thirty million. Well, let's just what say, if, sure. What what if all of a sudden, you know, Memphis says we'll give you sixty million, right? Like, we'll 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 give you, you know, and they and they're saying that to one of the top top guys, right? I mean, that's a lot of money to turn down, and not and then I think you'll break up some of these super teams. Oh yeah, and you wouldn't then have the three guys at 30 million and a bunch of whoever's yeah be firm on the cap like i'm all for being just really firm on the cap screw the luxury tax be firm on the cap but let the players get paid whatever they can i'm all for that if the wolves wanted to show up tomorrow and offer lebron 80 million dollars to play for the wolves next year hey great right fine and then and then that's something that those players would have to decide like well maybe i do want to take half that so I can have some more guys around me or hey man that's, that's a chance to make that money I, that's a lot of money to turn down I'm all for that but it would give it would so with, opportunity for those other teams with Kyrie he goes to Dallas and it's him and Luca I think Luca's really talented he's probably the most talented offensive player in the league based on everything I read and every highlight I've seen but I also believe like Luca will like I feel like every time I see a highlight of Luca he's talking trash to somebody he's complaining about something he's getting into it with an assistant coach on another team's bench like I just feel like it's a lot of he's I don't know he's he's moving into the unlikable territory for me I'm trying to think of the two most unlikable the most unlikable duo in the NBA I thought it was Durant and Kyrie now that now that, that duo is split, does it become uh, Kyrie and Luca, or do I go back to Anthony Davis and LeBron? Because LeBron is also not likable. Yeah, I will. Last last thing on this too, maybe for NBA, but I'll say the biggest loser in all this is Kevin Durant. Yeah, who again, Durant Brooklyn. gets stuck holding the bag. Well, he, he chose Brooklyn and Kyrie over staying in Golden State. Yeah, he was winning titles, not enough. He needed he needed something else. Durant is so weird. Out of all the unlikable athletes in the world, where does Kyrie rank in your pantheon? Like, to me, he's top five. He's top five all-time least favorite athlete. I don't think I have the full disdain for him as much as you do. Um, I mean, he sucks. 
Is he like Terrell Owens bad? I, I maybe you know maybe to me it, it's part of it is because like I just don't see him as relevant, right? Like this, yeah. I, the NBA doesn't feel as relevant right now to me. So yeah, despite what the ESPN guys want to tell you, nobody watches the NBA. Like the NBA ratings are absolutely horrendous nationwide. Like they are not good. There's a reason why like Bally Sports and the Diamond Sports Group is filing for bankruptcy because a they don't put their shit on anybody's cable packages but also because nobody watches it. Like the ones who have it don't want it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's been a good run for them for a week. <laughs> it has not been good. It's not been good. I'm trying to think of like who my five least favorite athletes are. I think Kyrie's in there and I think LeBron's in there. But I also was thinking like is Terrell Owens in there? Uh like is Alex Rodriguez? I think he's in there too. Oh, I don't, I don't. I was trying to round out who my five would be, like my least favorite athletes of all time. The guys who I just like, oh, I can't watch these guys. Tommy Her. (laughs) I'm not a LeBron fan. Not a LeBron guy either. I can't stand him. I mean, that drama after he got fouled the other night. Oh my God. You know, like somebody shot his dog. Um, Yeah. So he, he might be close to the top of my list. What irritates me about him, too, is he was Mr. You know, these fans can't just do whatever they want at the game. They can't do and say whatever they want at the game. But then his guy, Shannon Sharp, gets into it with the Memphis Grizzlies, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, got to back my boy Shannon. Got to do it. So it's like, well, hang on now. You can't have it both ways. You can't say fans can't say whatever they want to the players, but then support your guy because your guy's doing it. Then it's okay. I You can't have it both ways. Yeah, I, it, it's... I, his his whole thing is I is not for me, um, and and I know in the like they were talking about on the radio the other day like in the grand scheme of things like the things that he does that rubs people the wrong way, um, are really not that bad. When you talk about, um, you know, being in the limelight since he's been, you know, as young as he is, and for how good he is, and how well known he is. Um, you know, right. His, his probably his, his biggest, most egregious thing was the decision. Yep. You know, but that doesn't mean that we have to like him either. You know, I, no, but no, I don't think he's no, he's not a criminal or anything like that. I don't think that he should be looked at like that. He's certainly a mogul. He's going to be worth billions when he's done. He's probably going to own an NBA team. Like I'm, it's not, it's nothing like that. It's just, you know, I just, he lives in a world where everybody licks his boots and I'm just not going to be one of those guys. I think I've just decided that, you know, he's got enough people who hang on him and kiss his ass and I'm just not going to be one of those guys. He's got plenty of them. How about this for fifth guy? I think I figured out who the fifth most unlikable athlete is for me. Go Broncos country. Let's ride baby. (laughs) (laughs) Could Russ Wilson be one of the five worst, like least favorite athletes you know? And now that that brings us to point number two on our pod, Paris, Sean Payton, it's official. Last Monday on the pod when we were talking, we thought this was not going to ever happen. Yeah. And then it did happen. Your thoughts? Uh, well, his his already made it known that Russ won't be allowed to have his quarterback coach in the building. <laughs> um, which... Again, like it just it baffles me sometimes, like what these guys think that they need with them at their, you know, I mean, because th- this was a story too with Tom, wasn't it? A yeah, couple it was. years ago, with Alex Guerrero. Yeah, for sure it was. Yeah, and you know his guru guy wasn't allowed in the building either, and I don't know, man. I it, I mean, I get it. These guys are industries on themselves now, but. It is, uh, it is a little weird. Yeah, it's like everybody has to have a team now around them. Like, oh, but I got my, you know, in golf, this drives me crazy too. When they are like, yep, I got my whole team with me here this week. I got my caddy. I got my physio. I got my doctor. I got my mental health coach. I got my, you know, my masseuse. I got my chef. I got my train, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, you know, dude, just go play golf, man. Like, we don't need, like, I sh- I don't show up with any of that. I mean, like it's, for football, same thing. It's like, man, how did Joe Montana ever get by without all these extra pieces? Like, how are you surviving? 
but I guess you need all of this now when you get to be a certain place. Yeah, uh, so we'll we'll see what happens here now. I mean, Sean Payton instantly let the uh, D coordinator go. Yep, who was, everybody liked. And he was on the market for about five minutes and then yeah. <laughs> signed. So he obviously has a plan or some idea, I guess, of what he wants to do. Uh, but they, they've got a lot to do there because yeah. – they're still a mess, right? Do like, you think it's savable with Russell Wilson? I mean, do you think Peyton's going to figure out how to get the most out of him? Or is this going to require maybe even more than you thought? And and is that re- and with that, are you surprised he took this job based on that? Because I think you kind of hinted last week that you thought this is probably not a great job anyway. Maybe just wait a year and, and go from there. Yeah, I'm so I'm surprised that I'm surprised that it happened especially when it happened. Like it felt like it could have happened, you know, a month ago almost if he really wanted to. Um but they kind of sat around, sat around and then they hired him. You know, I mean, it's the same thing here with with Vikings D coordinator, not to get too far off topic, but um right? I mean, if they wanted to hire Flores, they probably could have hired him two weeks ago. I would agree with that. So were they there? It seems like they were waiting for, uh, right. The Denver guy who ends up in Carolina, Carolina. And now they're settling for Flores and not that that's a bad settle. Right. That's actually a a pretty good get for a settle. It's kind of like the Broncos settling for Peyton because it, it sounded like they wanted D'Amico Ryan's. And then when Ryan's falls through and Harbaugh falls through, then you're just like, all right, well, I guess we will up another draft pick and we'll go get Sean Payton. It's like, which my God, they've given up. I mean, they have no draft picks now for a while. Yeah. Them and the Rams are just hosed. It it almost feels like Denver has to make it work with Russ because they can't pick anyone. It's true. I mean, they're going to have to do what Houston kind of did when Bill O'Brien traded away all the picks. It was like, all right, who's our asset? What's our one asset? Trade it and go get a pick back. You know, like that's what they did that with like, um, I don't know, Laramie Tunsil or whatever it was that they ended up doing. No, they traded for Tunsil, but they moved the Watson and got all the picks. Yep. So maybe that's what Denver's got to do. They got to look on their roster offensively or defensively and just say, who's an asset? Who can go get us a number one pick back? Well, they're going to be, it's it's going to be a lot to for them to deal with. I'll, I'll be interested to see what is, what his coaching staff looks like um, and what that offense looks like to start the year next year, because I I don't, I don't think he's going to be able to go back and do some of the things that he did with the saints because he just doesn't have the same type of talent there. Right. There's no Alvin Kamara in the Broncos backfield. Yeah. Unless they love Williams, unless they think he can come back healthy and become the Kamara type or if they think Judy can become Mike Thomas part, you know, version two. But I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that that's yeah, realistic that, that at this point. Yeah, that seems far-fetched. I would agree. I, I, and and they're also thinking that Wilson can just become Drew Brees, even late career Drew Brees. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, Drew so, never had the big arm, especially down the stretch. They're both kind of diminutive, so I think like Peyton knew how to move Breeze and not let him get blocked at the line of scrimmage, and yeah, so maybe I he'll just, do some I, of that. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, I guess even at the top of his game, I don't think Russell Wilson was ever that high. You know, I think he was carried in Seattle for a long time by good defense and a good running game and a good coach, and not that I'm saying that he's bad. But I don't know that he was ever on that Drew Drew Brees level. So we'll keep an eye on Peyton. I think it was a good hire, obviously, for Denver because they were screwed. We were thinking yet last Monday when we were talking on the pod, they're not going to get D'Amico Ryans. If they're not going to get Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh, what's left? What are you going to go get? And now you're back at square one. Now I look at a team like Arizona and I'm like, what the hell are they going to do? Like now they've become the Denver team where there's like no options out there. And you know, they have a, they have a quarterback that nobody wants to coach. 
He's not even going to be available till week nine or 10. Like that situation looks to be the worst situation in the league now. Yeah, it's, it's a tough spot. I think, um, I think they must have something in mind if, uh, Flores was ready to take this D coordinator job. He had interviewed for that Arizona job there. Yeah. So they might have told him he's not the guy, and they they I, they might be narrowing in on something here. You wonder if they'll just elevate Vance Joseph. Isn't that the vibe you kind of get? Like that feels like the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, which I don't know if I love that hire. To be honest with you, I don't know if that does anything for me either. But no, I mean, and I don't know what you're gonna do with Kyler in that move either. But I get, we'll see. Right, there's you need to stop. Yeah, you need to stop gap QB. You need somebody maybe, who can maybe they're talking to someone who is playing this weekend and or coaching this weekend, and mm. that falls that shoe falls afterwards. Maybe a, maybe an offensive coordinator who seems to get a bad rap for not calling plays behind a legend. Uh, you know, maybe that could be that guy, like Eric Bieniemy, perhaps. Yeah, it might be the offensive coordinator on the other side of the ball too. Oh, look oh. at this guy with some steam. I love I, that I about I you. I don't have any. Oh, you, know. you don't have any steam. Oh, we should just act like we do. Like we could be like Ryan and just be like, hey, I got yeah, a good authority. Yeah, Ryan's well-placed sources. I've got a well-placed source within the organization that says. Get like a buddy who mops the floor at. <laughs> yeah. I got Cliff Kingsbury's old garage door repair man, and he tells me. No, that would be good. Uh, how about this guy then? Uh, I also, last thing on NFL stuff. Look, sounds like Jeff Saturday is really long, like working behind the scenes feverishly. It sounds like he really wants this job full time. And I have heard zero rumors out of Indianapolis. Yeah, uh, it, they can't bring him back. Can they, they cannot do that. Um, you know, I thought that, um, it was intriguing at the start. Um, but just kind of the way it ended, it felt like probably not the right choice. Right? I mean, when you when you blow the big lead against the Vikings, um they got thumped yeah, a couple that's times. That's kind of it. I I don't know. I mean, but who will, He's going to hire some weird coach. That's my prediction. Yeah, I I I'm curious as who's it's going to be. Uh, and if they decide to bring Saturday back, I just don't know how you sell that to the fans. I I really don't. If you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, like, and Ryan is like, Ryan's the big Colts guy in this group. I don't know how you sell that to Ryan. Pit boss, rich. Ooh, that now that's out of the box. That's an out of the box hire. Go get I mean, pit boss, rich. There, right? See if he'll do it. Did he interview there? I think so. And I know that they've, you know, uh, Steichen from the Eagles has been rumored there. Somebody was talking about Raheem Morris. I don't know. Is there, uh, a, is there a chance we know who these people are next Monday when we do the post-Super Bowl pod? Uh, probably not. Because doesn't the NFL kind of have a hiring moratorium right now? Oh, you, yeah, this week you think they had nothing during the Super Bowl week. Probably. Yeah, they, I think yeah, they don't want anything right. during the Super Bowl week, and I don't think it'll happen right away Monday. But maybe. Maybe Monday night it's done. Could be. We'll keep an eye on it. Maybe there'll be, at least I want to hear a rumor. I want to hear a good rumor this week that that's probably going to happen. That's what we did with Flores before he went to the Dolphins. And before all that, they always be like, well, it sounds like now we don't want to say, but we think it's going to, you know, we one of them. I want one of those kind of rumors. We talked to Ryan's buddy mopping the floor. Yep. We talked to the janitor down over at the uh, Lucas Oil and they said... That there's a private jet chartered to blank by blah, blah, blah time. How about um, let's shift over. Keep the potpourri flowing here. Smells delightful, by the way. The potpourri. You just smell it in the air. It's beautiful. Anyway, um, Carlos Correa. We talked a little bit last week with Ty about the Correa signing. Uh, We don't have to get too much back into the signing part of it, although I'll certainly take your opinions on it. I'm interested in what you think about two things. There was a doctor that came out, John Heyman reported this, that the doctor said he, a doctor close to the situation has viewed Correa's ankle and says it is, quote, the worst ankle he's ever seen. 
That's not, I don't know if that's something or nothing. I'll let you have that in a second. But also the decision the Twins had that Correa will not play the World Baseball Classic. Now they say it's because of some kind of family commitment or whatever it is, but they made a point to say, we want to be very clear. It is not about injury. It is not injury related. And when I feel like a group tries really hard to say it's not about an injury, that means it's about an injury. Those two things. Are you concerned about the John Heyman report? Does the World Baseball Classic news add to that intrigue? Uh, let me start with the World Baseball Classic. So I, what I read was his wife is pregnant and due during the World Baseball Classic. And so that okay. is why. Um, so I guess unless they planned this out nine months ago to be a distraction <laughs> and a reason out of it, um, probably it, it sounds legit at, at least. Um, the worst ankle thing I think is interesting. I wish we knew where it came from. Um, cause I think that John Heyman's pretty good at this. Like I'll trust John Heyman, right? I'll trust John Heyman, but do I trust the doctor? Right. I mean, is it the doctor for the Giants who, right, the team is looking to save some face here and says, hey, like we we looked at, you know, or is it the doctor for, you know, I mean, who who is the doctor, I guess? That's the big thing that, you know, or is it the Mets doctor who looked at it and said, hey, yeah, it's it's bad. We don't. um. Because, because I think those teams, right, have a vested interest in him that they don't have him on their team now, and they need to, I don't want to say cover up for their mistakes, but... They um, want to justify it to season ticket holders, right. or they want to justify it back in the media to say, like, hey, we backed out of this 13-year deal or this 10-year deal, but you shouldn't see that this ankle's really bad. Yeah, and I guess I wonder just how bad could it actually be and like, it's interesting what, to say somebody's got a bad ankle. What like, happened what, what to does it? That mean? Like in the last year that suddenly it's become a hot topic? Because we didn't hear a whole lot about it being bad last year, right? No. I mean, nobody, I don't believe that was the reason why he only hit 20 home runs and 70 RBIs. I mean, he did get banged up a little bit, I think, towards the end. And I don't think they played him a ton down the stretch, but... Yeah, but I don't think that was due to, right? Like, what I don't think that ankle is what what happened last year. So I think I think it's going to be an interesting situation. I think it, the the move, the signing overall, is one that the Twins um, had to do once everything happened, right? And they were able to um, get them for the price in the years that they did. It it made sense to do. Um, I think this is probably the most uh, most hype that the Twins have had really around them in the last 10 years or so, um, kind of just heading into the season, uh, at, le- at least in the last five, right? Well, they I certainly mean, saved some face, right? Because think about what they were in December when Correa looked like he was every all but out of here. And you're yeah. sitting there going, now we have no pitching. We have a Buxton who's always hurt and no Correa. Like, where's the buzz? And they, and they did add some pitching. Yep. And, you know, of course, they traded, you know, I, I like to say they traded your dad's favorite player. <laughs> right? The guy who got a lot of singles and can't play any defense and whatever. I, you know, so I like to trade. He was a great hitter. I mean, he was a really good hitter. I mean, not to say anything, but I agreed with you. Like, I think you traded him at max value. Yeah. Yeah. So... It, uh, it it's a it's excitement in Minnesota that we haven't seen for a while. Um, we'll see how the ankle holds up and how he holds up. I do I do think the way the deal is structured is great for Minnesota, right? Because those vesting years happen only if he's playing. That's true. And like so if, if you get ankle- six great years, then hey, great, have seven, right. have eight, right? And if the ankle is bothering him and he's not playing well, then the Twins are out in a reasonable time frame and a reasonable price. Yeah, and maybe he doesn't play short the whole time. You know, maybe by year five or six, he converts and he's a DH and he becomes Nelson Cruz. Right. You know, where he right. can or hit he's a ton. third. Yep. Or, you know, like first. There's, yeah. Yeah. There's, de- there's definitely options there down the road. Um, 
And I think what it does do also, though, is it 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 frees up some of these other infielders for the Twins that maybe they move to other spots. Yeah, it gives Royce Lewis like a natural position again, right? Instead of trying to make him an outfielder, like yeah. he can be a shortstop now or a second baseman. You have Nick Gordon. You got some of these young pieces that you really, Miranda, like you kind of like these guys, right? And so you want to get them into positions that are more natural to them. Uh, I just want to throw out like this Tim Rules game is like three minutes into it. This is unwatchable. This is <laughs> terrible basketball by both teams. <laughs> like I, I've seen sixth grade teams take better care of the ball. How many threes have been shot in three minutes? I don't know. There's been a shit ton of turnovers. I know that. Not great. Sorry, Not great. I know we're off topic now. No, you're doing great. This is what happens when we uh, get the NBA on. We drift off. This is what this is. This word would be nice to have. I'd get Ty back on because he would love to agree with you. Because he, boy, if there's one sport he'd love to shoot right into the sun, it'd be the NBA. Like he can't, uh, he cannot stand it. So, yeah, there's yeah, I'll that. Tell you what, winter's tough for me. There's not a lot to watch because I'm not a hockey guy either. Yeah, me neither. I've been struggling. I haven't been able to watch anything. I'm in a, I'm in a kind of a hole, a sports hole. I do. Cause I, I used to, this is where college basketball and the NBA used to just win the day for me. Well, I, I, you know, not to brag, but I do have gopher tickets coming up here. Someone break into your car and leave them in the dash or like, well, how'd that, how'd, how'd that happen? Uh, I bought them like back in August. It was like a teacher, uh, appreciation deal. Nice. And so there were like $10 tickets. And then the game we were supposed to go to, I think, got snowed out or something. Mm. Right? It was it was like a non-conference game over winter break. Right? So I was like, Perfect. great. You know, we'll go watch them beat Alcorn State or whoever it was supposed to be. <laughs> and then it was like one of those days where the weather was really shitty. And so, like, I... I, I do actually think it was Al, supposed to be Alcorn State for some reason that's sticking in my head. But Alcorn State said, like, we can't make the flight, so they didn't come. And so then they're like, well, you can repick for these four or five home games that are left or whatever. And so going to see him play Penn State. Oh. I'm going to see how close I can get to the floor. You might be able by the by midway through the first half be courtside. They might uh, let me shoot free throws for them. They might. I mean, they might put you on. They might suit you up. You might get some garbage time minutes. I I don't feel like I could do any worse than they're doing right now. No, they're they don't have any talent. Like, and I was talking to a big gopher, but you know, Bobo, who was like really like Ben Johnson. I think he could be a really good coach. I just there's just nothing there. They, he needs talent. But, he needs time to get guys. It's like this is basketball. You got to be able to get a guy or two here and there. Time to get guys. He's had two years. Like that's what the- he said. He, he was like, "Is there some shadow like penalty we're paying to the NCAA? Because it just feels like we don't have any scholarship guys. Like we don't have any players. Like, well, that's how, because, like, are we pun- being punished? They fired the coach, so everyone transferred. Yep." Right. And Ben Johnson did not salvage the class at all. Right. And so that's where they're like, oh, well, he's got five freshmen playing or whatever. Well, guess what? None of those guys fucking came back either. It feels like. And we're back. No. Like, and so I know that he's got a couple of big recruits coming, but I, to me, what I thought was unacceptable is they went into that first Big Ten game, playoff game last year. Yep. Right. The postseason tournament. And they played five guys the whole game. I, yeah, that's right. We talked about that. Right? Like, that was just like, like how six, does that happen? The sixth man got like two minutes. And, that's, you know. Yeah, it's not requisite of big time college basketball. And it, and it was a close game. You know, and they lost. And they're like, wow, they just ran out of gas at the end. And I'm like, well, how, how did you have a whole season and you couldn't even get a sixth guy prepared to play? You know what I mean? You don't like, even you don't you don't have a big who can just eat four minutes. Like just come in, commit three fouls, get a, two rebounds, and just keep things in front of you for a couple yeah. Minutes. It's just so to me that is a coaching thing, and and they they've obviously they've had trouble recruiting. We'll see what happens here, right? They've got supposedly a couple of talented guys coming, but 
I mean, he, if if they if they're not winning games early last year, he's got to be gone midseason. Ooh, you think it's that urgent? Well, it's year three. They're gonna win one Big Ten game. Yeah, I mean, they they stink. If I mean, they, and they've they, been getting blown out of some games big if, time. If they if they played St. Thomas right now, St. Thomas would probably be favored. <sighs> wow. Right, and St. Thomas has been D one here in Minneapolis for what two years? Not long. Three, yeah, maybe. They're gonna get a nice new arena in St. Paul. It sounds like too. They're gonna they're gonna be Gophers are gonna have some challenges here if they can't figure this out. Yeah, and that's I know I know people have been crying for like oh they should play they should play. The, there's zero chance the Gophers schedule that game anytime soon. They do not want that game right now. I assure right. you. Right, because they have nothing to w- gain from it. Right, if they if they win, everyone's like, "Well, you should beat them, right? You're the Big Ten team." And if they lose, everyone's gonna just nail them to the cross, which they should. Rightfully so. It's a lose lose. Yeah. So they won't they won't schedule that game anytime. It's, I mean, it's the same reason that the Gophers football team won't schedule you know South North Dakota, Dakota State, State or North Dakota State anymore because. Right, they can they can get a game from them now. Yeah, and you can't if you're Peej, you can't lose that game now. Yeah. Like you think you already kill Peej on a nightly basis. What would happen if Nodak came down here and just beat beat up on Peej and the Gophers? You'd never let them live it down. No, I would not. I certainly would not. Oh man, I didn't think we'd get go for basketball. That wasn't on my notes, but hey, that was uh, that's the beauty of Pod Pari. We can go anywhere we want, man. Oh, a little bit of everything. Hey. Yeah, we a little bit of everything. Hey, speaking of this, the other day we were on the text message stream, and I think it was Ryan who dropped an anniversary on us. Right, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. He said was like the anniversary, and then you came through with I thought the line of it when you said we're burying the lead here. The, the anniversary is the 35th anniversary of Hulk and Andre in the main event on uh, on NBC with the the with Hebner million, referees. The million-dollar man twi- bought the title. Well, the million-dollar man buys the title because he's got a referee that is the identical twin. In what, you know, he has Earl Hebner and Dave Hebner, and there's this crazy switched referee. Uh, it was the, It's maybe one of the greatest wrestling events you've ever seen in your life. 35th anniversary. Of Hulk Andre 2 on the main event on NBC. I was six at the time. Still one of the, just the greatest, one of the greatest events you ever saw in your life. I, I, so good. My favorite, and th- and a lot for this, a lot of this is post, right? I didn't, I I might have watched it live, but I don't really remember it. Me, me, me neither. This is probably a couple years later. I started really watching late 88, more into 89 is when I kind of started finding my wrestling life. I, I remember watching Saturday Night Main Events at my grandpa's house. Yep, me too. Um, and my grandma's and, and my, and occasionally my house. Yeah, uh, I did, I did like that Hogan, you know, how much did he pay for the surgery? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like it, it couldn't have been a twin brother. It was, you know, it couldn't have been a twin. No. Get facial surgery on someone. Else. The million dollar man's got so much money. He's literally paying for facial surgery for referees. It's so good. Um, oh, it's such a great storyline. So it was I, brilliant, I think, and it sets up everything. Right. I mean, the things that I like about it. Right. You got the Macho Man winning the tournament then at WrestleMania four. Yep, and I know the people. There are a lot of people who don't like that WrestleMania, right? And tournaments always kind of end up with a bad rap, um, right? But the cool thing about it is he wins that. He goes through four matches in four outfits, and Liz has got a different dress that matches for each one. A goddamn smoke show too, in right? every and he, single and he one wins of those. In different ways in each match, right? It's not always the same match. Um, you know, so it, so that is kind of cool, and then which also then leads to Mega Powers and all the way to WrestleMania Five, and that's right. That's something you don't see anymore is that long term planning. Yeah, this one event turns like basically creates it. it well, it, it keeps Hogan a big star. It keeps Andre a big star. It it makes Million Dollar Man into a like a legitimately scary heel, like a good heel, and it makes Savage it elevates Savage from intercontinental status to championship status. 
Yep. Like it, this one match makes like four different guys or five different guys for like a year. It was, it, it's really brilliant storytelling. And it makes me think about Andre because I, I'm, gosh, I'm so fascinated by Andre. And the older I get, I think the more fascinated I get by Andre. Because I start to think to myself, like all these guys, you know, you watch all these shoot interviews and all these things from old wrestlers. And there's so many guys that hate Hogan and hate Flair and hate the Hitman and hates, you know, all this stuff. But there's two guys that nobody ever says anything about. And it's like the Undertaker. They never say anything about the Undertaker. And they never say anything about Andre. Like everybody loves Andre. Everybody likes the Undertaker. Part of me thinks like Undertaker took on the Andre role of like the backstage boss. Uh, and and I, I just like I'm fascinated at how everybody looked at Andre as this sort of revered guy. And yet. the uh, I, I don't know if it's just because we saw him at the tail end of his career where he couldn't move and he couldn't do anything. And you just had to go in there and bump and sell to make him look tough. But it is like, it's either the greatest story of all time or the most tragic story when it comes to Andre. I don't know, but I've, I'm fascinated by him. I don't know if you are as well. I, I do like, I know in the Hitman's book, there's a lot of Andre talk. Um, which really, you don't think of those two like as the same era. But right, I mean, there was a ton of Heart Foundation stuff in that era. For me, the Andre right, that I will always remember is him and Haku, right? The Colossal Connection. Yes, and and uh, tag team champions, and then him riding out on the cart at WrestleMania after he tosses Heenan around, and um, those are my Andre-like memories, right? Because, like you said, we kind of picked up shortly after this, but when you go back and watch a lot of the stuff, it is really cool. Um, and, and all the stories of how he could, he could wrestle, right? He wasn't just a big guy. Yeah. In the seventies, when he was still just kind of a young guy and he was a little leaner, I mean, he was still a giant obviously, cause he had this disorder and he was just so big, but he was agile. He could drop kick. He could do all of the stuff that, you know, we looked at like guys like the big show later on 40 years later, and he could do that too. But Andre could do all of those things. It's just his body gave way. And you know, it's weird because you think Andre wrestles this match on Saturday night's main event or the main event, I should say wrestles this match. Same age as us. We're 41. He's 41, 42. And he wrestles that match and he couldn't look older. He couldn't look more feeble, more in pain, more everything in hindsight. At the time you watched Andre and you were just like, well, he's just a big menacing monster. But now you watch it back from this older lens and you're like, that is a man who was dying and it was in like amazing pain. And just the fact that he actually walked out there and got in the ring was a tribute to him, I think. And, and he's very incredible it, man, you know, for many years after that. Yeah. And did crazy shit. Like, I mean, he went in there with, I mean, doing the Jake the Snake stuff, which was where I picked him up. Like I picked him up when the Jake the Snake stuff and the Ultimate Warrior, like he let a crazy guy like Warrior bang him around, you know, and and squash for him and did all of that stuff. I uh, did. I did see a uh, a post of him, and he was on uh, Jake's what was it, the Snake Pit? Yeah. Um, several years before, and he's not afraid of snakes. Then, right? kind of funny how that works, yeah. right? <laughs> Suddenly Jake Goat's face and Ivory Heel is afraid of snakes now. It's so weird how that works, but <laughs> Oh, I just and, and uh I'm trying to think of what the there's a couple other like great stories, right? You love hearing about his drinking stories, and part of me is trying to figure out if those are how true those are. But the only thing I can think of that really saddens me when you think of the Andre stuff is like uh the airplanes, the car rides, just how effing miserable the basic life stuff the tour had to be japan oh yeah touring i mean where the hell did that guy sleep in japan i mean my god i felt just like you just talk about him he'd have to go to the bathroom in the in the tub yeah oh my god yeah that's right so yeah those, those are the ones that are tough to hear that kind of stuff the because you just feel like man what a solitary life that had to be 
Like, I don't know how you have a ton of friends. You certainly can't go out. You can't just be like, well, I'm going to Taco Bell to pick up a crunch wrap. Like, you can't be Andre the Giant and get a crunch wrap. That's not, you can't do it. It's impossible. So anyway, big Andre guy. I've watched all the documentaries on him. Uh, I think uh, those stories are terrific. And here's the thing I think about with Andre. I think without Andre, like everybody says, well, it's Vince and Hulk that make pro wrestling what it is, right? They're the guys who took it up. Part of me's like, if Hulk doesn't get Andre to sell for him at WrestleMania 3, I don't know if that really happens. Like you kind of needed Andre right. to sell Hulk Hogan to make that work. It's Otherwise, it's just, you know, whatever. It's over and done. Like King Kong Bundy and WrestleMania 2 didn't do anything for anybody. Right. That's that was, was considered a disappointing thing. That... Uh... That that it didn't it didn't uh, King Kong Bundy is is big, but he didn't do right. You didn't think he had slayed the world at WrestleMania two. It was WrestleMania three where they really got it to work, right? And then they could run it back at WrestleMania four, knowing they were going to phase both guys out of that for a little while. And it was like you needed it though. But if Andre doesn't do that, if Andre says no, nope, not going to do it, not selling for this guy. Forget it. I I think it dies. He like as sort of his last big moment as a top dude just said, I'm going to put over the next guy and did what other guys should do. And it irritates me when some of these dudes don't do that. But Andre was legit, man. That guy's awesome. And he he always seemed to like the stories you hear like, yeah, that's what he was about. He which which is what Undertaker too, right? I mean, yeah, Taker will put guys over. Yep. And did. And everyone's still mad at him for doing it. Yeah, but it's like, that's what was right, right, for business. And when you have, I just think, like, guys like Taker, guys like Andre are the guys that are going to stand up long. They're not going to be put on the same Mount Rushmore like Hogan and Flair and those guys because maybe you have to be a bit of an asshole to be the top, top guy. But I think those two guys are going to be the dudes that people kind of remember and gravitate towards in 30 years. They'll be like, ah, Undertaker was the man, Andre's the man, those kind of things. Uh, Royal Rumble. Did you did you watch anything with that? Speaking of uh, Andre on the way out here, the Royal Rumble. Uh, I did catch it. Um, I was a little disappointed they opened with the men's Rumble just because I was still getting kids to bed. So I had to pause <laughs> and then kind of play catch up. Um, I thought both Rumbles were entertaining. Um, they always are. But both were pretty predictable. Um. I wish we could get away from one in 30 winning all the time. I agree. I, it, it just, it seems to happen so much. Um, They've the, played that up now to the point where it's like, we gosh, you know, a guy, a guy can win it at five and it's okay. Right. right. And, and that's, here's the deal. Like we knew Cody Rhodes was coming back. And it's like it's like they're so afraid to just have like a regular guy at number thirty. Yeah, because the crowd wants a big surprise or a big return or a big you know, it's like you could have put him at twenty five. It would have served the same purpose, you know. And I felt like with you know they went with Rhea at one because we haven't had a woman win from number one, so we got to do that too because. You know, we, well, we it make, just feels like nobody thinks it's impressive anymore if you're like in the ring from at four on right, or five one on. And two, one and two are both in at the end in both matches. Yeah, we I I we need we need a little we need to mix that up a little bit. Like let two jobbers start it out again like they used to. Like I don't have a problem with that. Like I think that's okay. You know, or one jobber, one not a jobber. Like my favorite one ever was 1989 when it's Axe and Smash of Demolition going out one and two and them beating the hell out of each other for two minutes. That was awesome. Yeah, and like, so let's I have some of that. And and don't get me wrong, like they it was the winners were predictable, and sometimes that's okay, right? Like that it's a predictable winner, but we just like we can change it up with the numbers, you know. Like yeah, like when they brought Edge back, he was like 18, and I thought that was perfect. Like, he came out of nowhere. It was a legit shock. Everybody loved it. And it was totally over. Like, right. it was perfect. It and was we, great. And we now have back, you know, back-to-back years that 30 is won in the men's rumble. Because it was Lesnar last year at 30. 
Yep. Um, so I don't know. I think the endings were both entertaining, I thought. Uh, the women's one especially. I think the women's rumble has been better the last three years than the men's. The uh, women's rumble is better. You know, I thought the men's rumble was good last year, but I think that there was a lot of people who were upset that it was Lesnar who won. Yeah. That Lesnar came back and, you know. Uh, so In fairness, I, I, Lesnar should win every rumble. Well, I thought they did a great job with him this year. Yeah, Lesnar's great right now. He came in. The, this whole cowboy thing is phenomenal. People looked intimidating, and then someone got him. You know, and he was pissed off when it happened, and still looked tough. And I think, you know, it it is. I get it. Like it's hard to come up with a new story in the Rumble every year, right? Like it. It uh, there are certain Royal Rumble tropes, yeah, that are going to be consistent. But like, you know, I I'd almost say like, hey, like write a Royal Rumble where number seven wins. Yeah, right. Just like you know, like let, let's pick some different numbers and um, and and figure out then. Okay, how do we let's pick let's pick the number he's going to win from first, and then write a story from there. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. You know, so... Like, um, they need to put you and me in charge of the Rumble next year. Like, you and I will construct a great Rumble. I believe it. Well, and I think there's, like, there's some good things, right? Like, you can you can get a nostalgia run. Um, you know, right? We got Booker T. Booker T came in and did everything we needed him to do. Yeah, he said he's done after that. He's like, oh, my God, I am too old officially to do any of that. Yep. But he went in, did a spin rooney He was out. He was the only really uh uh you know throwback guy who made a return or a surprise entry um but it's it's and that's fine you know i mean i think you want one or two of those every year because those are fun um you but you need to the, the problem too with the rumble is they've gotten so hung up on the numbers of this guy has the most eliminations and this guy's been in the longest and they're always trying to set the new record for something. Yep. Like sometimes it just needs to be. Exactly. Maybe it's just a good old fashioned fun Royal Rumble. Right. Like 30. Like maybe that's all it needs to be. 30 doesn't always need to be a superstar because if it is the Warlord, that's great. Right. Warlord comes in. He's not going to win. He can have, but so that when it is somebody exciting and special at 30, like then it is exciting and special. I also think like this is where unfortunately giving everybody a title shot is not the best way to do it too. But you know, old rumbles used to do a great job of like creating matches for WrestleMania and storylines off of the mid card eliminations off the middle rumble eliminations. Yes. Yeah. Like you think I of Hogan agree. and warrior and Hogan and warrior wasn't the end. I think that uh, the um, I just lost my train of thought there for a second. So with with these with the the mid card stuff right that comes out of it is is quality right because you you can set up like this guy is gonna go after this guy right you or you got the right like every year Tito Santana and Rick Martel went at it yeah right and it was great yep um. I think it it with the championships I thought that you would see more surprise winners now that there were two titles. Right? And I know they're backed into one right now, but I thought with two championships you could have a surprise guy win and it doesn't have to main event WrestleMania, right? I mean he could still get his title shot or especially now two nights, right? He can give Yeah. You can you can main event a different night against someone else, and it's still a. So I I think they could do some of that where you could have some s- surprise winners to help build some guys, um. But I I am so glad that this is the NBA game I tuned in to watch. <laughs> this, this is like quite remarkable. So. Okay, so we're going to go into the end of the first quarter, and it is Nuggets 49, 
Gee, oh my god. Timberwolves 19. Are you fucking kidding me? No. I don't have the game on. Are you seriously? They should, they should have given up 50. The, they just called a charge on the Nuggets as they were going up at the buzzer, and it could have. And Jokic isn't playing? No, he's playing tonight. Oh, is he playing tonight? Yeah, okay. He wasn't playing. He didn't play whatever. They were here Sunday night. But, like, yeah. Get the fuck 40, out of here. 49 giving up 49 points. <laughs> oh. Do you remember growing in the 90s NBA? That was half. You'd give up. It'd be 49-45 at the half. Yeah. I mean, you had to earn points back then. There's like, you a, had there's to, a lot like, of games You had to get 80s. your ass kicked. Yeah, a lot of games in the 80s, 90s. Still entertaining, but you had to work for it. Like, baskets were at a premium. I... Give me the old days bet. I'm an old guy. Give me the old NBA. All right, all I'll give the NBA a chance again next year. All right, that, and we'll talk about it on the pod Paris. Hey, Zach, I enjoyed it. We got an hour and five in, and I think we covered a lot today. Covered the NBA, covered wrestling, little football, little baseball, little gopher basketball. I mean, what more can we talk about? Yeah. I mean, I think we, we nailed it. <laughs> Indeed. We come back next week. Maybe you and I will just talk politics for an hour. We'll figure out the debt ceiling and everything else in between on our way to that. That'll be a fantastic podcast if we get there. Yeah, I'm sure Ryan's watching uh, State of the Union tonight, right? Oh, is that on tonight too? Jesus, man. You can tell how far behind I am on this shit. All right. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening once again. Podbean, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Please go ahead, subscribe, follow, leave a comment, leave a message, share it out to a friend, do all that good stuff. And until next time, for Zach, this is Tim saying keep your head up, and we'll see you.